Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is James Chapman, founder and CEO of Plain Sight. And if you want to maximize your relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Own Network with my good friends, Travis Chappell and Eric Trozinski. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey guys, welcome back to the Build Your Network podcast. My name is Eric Skorzynski. I am the host on today's episode, and today I'm sitting down with none other than James Chapman. He is the founder and CEO of Plain Sight, an incredible platform for building connections wherever you go, both in person and remote. He's dedicated the bulk of his career creating spaces for ambitious people to thrive and come together. In 2015, he launched an evening workspace for side hustlers to collaborate, which led to the idea for Plain Sight. In 2017, he started and ran Detroit Demo Day, which has provided over $4 million in funding to small businesses throughout the city of Detroit, the majority of which have been minority and woman-owned. I have a great conversation with James today. We share a lot in common in our stories and mindset, and we talk a lot about inherent bias in networking and how his team at Plainsight has worked to eliminate that, the way that you can maximize relationships even during covid and the way that hustle has played a part in his life from day one. You guys are not going to miss one second of this episode of Build Your Network. And remember, if you appreciate the episode and you take one piece of value from it, be sure to take a screenshot 
post to Instagram and tag Travis Chapel with the handle at Travis Chapel. All right, guys, let's get into the show. All right, James, thank you so much for joining me on the Build Your Network podcast. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here and, and have a, a meaningful conversation with you. So, so thank you. Absolutely. Well, we always like to start these conversations back before the actual business starts. We like to go back to like childhood, James. And it sounds like from hearing you on some other podcasts, it sounds like you were hustling from a very, very young age. Can you kind of give us a window into kind of childhood, James? Like what were you doing? What was your mindset at that time? Yeah, man. Um, I, I grew up around hustlers. You know, my, my mom was hustling my uncles, my uh, my cousins, all of that kind of stuff. And so I just kind of grew up around this environment of people really adopting entrepreneurship out of necessity, if I'm honest, right? Like, like not being able to always make ends meet. And so we have to be creative around how we can go about hustling to be able to be able to make ends meet. And so that that, that was kind of the culture that I grew up around. And I think that that just naturally rubbed off on me. I always felt like, I needed to be doing something outside of just the everyday stuff that I'm that I'm doing, right? Like like there's got to be be more be more aspects to you know to the things that I'm that I'm excited about and involved in. And so I was 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 just like super curious about things too. Uh, my mom will tell you that like I, I ask just a ton of questions all the time, but like she hated. Like when I would ask too many questions, she'd just be like, like, just go play or go do something. Right. And so I think that curiosity mixed with all of this like hustle mentality that I grew up around made for me as an early age toying around with different forms of entrepreneurship. I used to sell my my toys at school when I was done playing with them and things of that nature. And, you know, I just, I, my mom would like get pissed at me because she'd be like, where's your Game Boy? Or where is the, your, the, you know, this that I bought you or whatever. And I, I've sold it up at school somewhere. So I was always just kind of like, like dibbling, dabbling with, with entrepreneurship and hustling all throughout, just like a, as a kid, even up until college, I think. So you, you mentioned it was kind of out of necessity. Was your family, was it just working extra jobs just to get by? Was it for you? Yeah. Were you, were you, did you feel like you bore any weight of that? Were you trying to help assist any yeah, way that you could? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was a combination of of the two. You know, I, I, I think that, you know, we we grew up in a not so good neighborhood and, you know, Com- coming up in in a in a mid-sized city as a, as a low-income black family, like you just have got to do whatever you got to do, right, to to be able to get it. And so I witnessed that a, a lot, and I, I wanted to contribute. I didn't I didn't want to be the one that was just you know on the receiving end of of everybody else that that's out hustling and, and doing things or whatever. Like I, I wanted to get in on the action too. So I think it was coming from that, but but that really instilled a a strong work ethic in me as a very, uh, you know, young, young person too. Yeah, man. I, re- I relate to that a ton. Cause I grew up in a, a super, my family is super poor growing up and, and, you know, it was, it was always, you know, things were just tight, you know? And so yeah. there was a lot of stuff where, you know, if I wanted to, if I wanted to get a new game system or if I wanted to do this, like it was, I had to put in work outside yeah. of it or sell or figure out how to like sell off my old stuff for more than it was worth. And it, it was, uh, it really taught me early on, I guess, kind of that, I didn't know at the time, but that entrepreneurial kind of mindset of like, here's what I have, what can I do with it kind of mindset. Right. So you, you, you get kinda, what I want. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I want this, there's no way I'm going to get there through my parents working this nine to five. How am I going to figure out, how am I gonna, how to how gonna get it? It, yeah. you know, you kind of took all of this hustle and put it right into the college experience. You went in, you start, you're doing the marketing communication, yeah. but 
you were still selling shoes and flipping things in college. So like, uh, what was your college life like? Were you, were you constantly on the move, constantly doing stuff? Or did you, did you have any breathing time to kind of slow down and just, and just go through the school experience? Yeah. I I mean, I, I, I played ball in college too. So like you add, add that, that layer. And so like, I was always doing something. I'm, I'm either in class or I'm on the road for games or at practice or like I'm trying to like sell shoes or, or whatever else I, I I can do, right? To be able to not have to call home so that my parents can send me a hundred dollars for the weekend so that I can like go out to eat and take a girl to the movies or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it was really about that that aspect of it. I've always been a very independent child. You know, I, I didn't want to ask for things. I wanted to be able to get it for myself. I worked, I bought my first car, you know, in high school myself from just like this job that working multiple jobs and different stuff like that. And so like, once I got to college, I couldn't just turn that off. Right. Like, like people who were, you know, playing sports and things of that nature, they weren't working a job as well. We couldn't even find time to actually work a consistent job, even if you wanted to. And so entrepreneurship was the only way I was going to be able to make extra money. And so what I did the the you know the school that I was at they didn't really have like a uh, a big mall or anything of that nature and my cousin back home was flipping shoes right and and so he taught me how to how to flip shoes and so I started doing that uh, ordering shoes from overseas sell them at a lower price or at a price like you know stuff that you can't get at these malls and that kind of stuff and then selling them on, on campus and that was the way like I used to have my little backpack with my book of you know, shoes that you could, you know, flip through and pick out your size and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And yeah, that was, that was my way of being able to like get what I needed while I was in college um, mm-hmm. since I knew I couldn't work. And and while you were at college pursuing this degree, was your goal long-term to work for somebody? Was it thinking like, okay, eventually I'll get a job that pays a ton of money. I won't have to keep doing the side hustle. Or was it something where you thought I can apply all the stuff I'm learning in college to my own business? Like what was kind of the mindset as far as trajectory? Were you trying to get out of this hustle mentality or were you trying to get into, you know, where you could get into a secure, quote unquote, secure job? Um, Or was it something where you were like, man, I need to learn this for myself? Yeah, I think it was a combination of, I knew I didn't want to work for anyone. And and first, let me add a little bit more like color to that. There's nothing wrong with working for someone. I knew that I didn't want to work a certain job. Uh, And I learned that very early because I used to like work at Stephen Barry's for one summer. Like one summer I didn't go home and, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of basketball to do in summertime. And so I was just up there at school. And so I got a summer job working at Stephen Barry's folding T-shirts and like just being like the the front runner or whatever the case may be. And I hated it. Like that summer, I, I quit. I quit the job that summer. That, that was when I actually started selling the sneakers. I thought to myself, there is no way in hell after this is over, after college is over, that I'm going to work a job that I hate. Because I just can't do that, right? And so I was thinking, I'm either going to like make basketball my career. So I was like going really hard at basketball or I'm going to be in business, right? And, and like that was it. Or I'll do something that I love. And, but but I knew it was going to be a while for me to find something I'd love to do in business and in work, right? Because I was still in college. You know what I mean? We don't, we have like different ideas and that kind of stuff, but nothing really was sticking for me just yet, you know? And so I think that was the decision that I had made in college that I was either going to do basketball or I was going to do business for myself or a combination of the two. But uh, I couldn't really see myself working uh, for for someone doing something that I didn't do. Mm. 
what was the first venture into kind of the your own business like where it's you know obviously you've got you know you're flipping stuff you're selling stuff what was the first time you kind of put your roots down I was like this is my business this is what I'm what I'm focused in on I would say I started this mobile oil change service back in Chattanooga and that was like my first legit business I left working in workforce development so, you know, when I moved home after college and after I got done playing ball, you know, I, I tried ball for a couple of years, actually. Um, played out in Mexico and the NBA Development League until I got cut. But when I went home, yeah, you know, I worked in workforce and that was cool. You know, government programs, helping people find work and figuring out like what what ways we could be innovative and, in, in, you know, providing some of those services. Uh, but once I kind of climbed the ladder there, I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. I started this mobile oil change business. And not because I was good at, you know, oil changes or, or had any kind of automotive background whatsoever. I was just always going over on getting my oil changed. And so I was like, maybe this is a business I should start. You know, other people are having this problem too. And so, um, yeah, we raised a little bit of money for it and, you know, found a guy that was running the operation side of the things. He was actually going out doing the, the oil changes and that kind of stuff. And it was great. You know, we started really picking up by serving fleet clients. So like imagine like plumbing businesses and, and you know, people that have a fleet, fleet, fleet of vehicles and going on to, to do their entire fleet in one swoop. It's a lot of thunder and lightning behind me. And that was my first hand at true business entrepreneurship that was making money in a, in a legit way, LLC and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, that, that, was, that was the first business back in China. Gotcha, gotcha. And once you relocated to Detroit, uh, you know, I think yeah. that's where your journey as it stands now really begins. You know, you're yeah. starting to, you know, you're working with the community fund there. You're trying to get, you know, Detroit's obviously like, there's been a ton of energy put into revitalizing that area because it, it was such a, you know, it was built on these big businesses. You know, it wasn't everybody there was working in the automotive world. Like that kind of really destroyed that area when that went under. So when you when you got there, you start seeing everybody there has that entrepreneurial spirit. They're all kind of going, hustling, working the multiple jobs, driving Ubers, doing this, all these yeah. different different things to keep to keep things going. When did that kind of spark the idea for, you know, the plain sight idea, like to say like, hey, mm. let's let's do something that's going to equip people to be able to to take this to the next level. Yeah, it was a combination of things. It was a combination of work that I had started down in Chattanooga before I got to Detroit. I used to run this co-working space for side hustlers. And just like, because with the, with the oil change thing, people were always asking me questions about business yeah. and they were all usually working a nine to five. And so I, I started the space for them. And that was workaholics, right? That's work, the, that was workaholics. Derby, you got yeah. it. That was workaholics. You know, I started that space and really started to see the power of hyper-local connections. I was seeing people, you know, change careers and, and get better in their careers from the people that they were meeting at this workspace. And so that was kind of interesting to me. Mm. Uh, and then I moved to Detroit and I see all of these like hustling, hungry, budding entrepreneurs who are needing monetary capital, but also leveraging human capital to get the monetary capital. Mm. And so now all of this starts to really become curious to me of like growing your network and connecting with people to be able to get to the goal that you're trying to get to, right? If we could just meet the right person or have that right connection, then the money will follow. Right. Right. Because everything's built off relationships. And even if somebody doesn't give you money just because they know you or because they like you, they'll at least invest human capital into you to help you realize what you need to do to be able to get what you need, which is also extremely valuable. 
right? Even more valuable than having the money, right? They're going to teach you the ways to get the money. And so I started just getting super, super fascinated about that. And and also really started to feel like I was the right person to build something for, you know, to solve those problems of people trying to grow their network in an organic way and a hyper-local type of experience. Mm. And, and so that was it. I started becoming obsessed with the problem and decided that I wanted to put all my eggs in that basket on on building what is now plain sight. Right, right. Was that scary for you? You just used the, the term putting all your eggs in one basket and and I know that we we share a lot of commonality in the way that we've viewed things and growing up and and having all these side hustles, all these different, you know, safety nets basically that we build around ourselves. Like here's this and this and this stream and this stream. Yeah. Was it kind of like a holy crap moment? Like I'm going all in on this. What if this goes wrong? Like what was your mindset going into it? Or were you so convinced like, hey, this is going to work. I, this is needed. It's going to be okay. No, man. As somebody who, who's built a business before, I knew that there were no guarantees. And so I knew it was going to be scary and it was scary. Yeah. Uh, but I, I wanted to do it anyway because I, I felt like it was going to pay off. Right. And I felt like what I was wanting to, to bring and birth into the world was so needed and so valuable that it was worth the risk, even if it did fail. Hmm. Right. And so that's, I, I think, what continues to keep me going today because you got to think we built Plain Sight so that people can make better connections in person five months before the start of a global pandemic. So we've had every reason to be afraid to start and we've had every reason to quit, you know, while while this pandemic ha- has been going on. But right, I'm just right. so obsessed with the fact that people can utilize a tool like ours to be able to to grow their network and make meaningful connections that, you know, I just can't I just can't give up. You know what I mean? I, I won't I won't stop until the the final bell is 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 rung on, on this thing. I, I'm still going to put put my all into it, even though, you know, times are really hard right now. Through, through everything that, that's going on in the world. Everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people are looking for more secure, you know, types of types of ways to do work because every the you know everything's so fragile. It's insane almost to start a business during this time, uh, unless you're solving a problem that that that's for right now. So you know, I won't I won't get long winded on that. But yeah, man, scary as hell, and didn't necessarily know what the outcomes were going to be, but but I just kind of trusted in the vision. Yeah, when when COVID did hit, I mean, obviously for everybody, I mean, we we launched a second show. We launched a, it was going to be a live in person interview show, and we did this huge launch in Miami. Announced it from the stage, like here it is. And then the pandemic hit. Literally, it was March when we announced it, and <laughs> we were in the hotel bar, and we were watching the news, and we're like, "That's weird. They're not letting these people off this cruise ship." And then we're like <laughs> looking, we're like, "COVID? Oh, there's COVIDs over here. Okay." And okay, so we'll wait a couple of weeks. It'll probably we'll probably have to push back some of our interviews. And obviously now it's May 2021. And you know, it it was, it was a time of massive pivot adjustment for you creating an app that's all about connection. You know, what was kind of the first major pivot that came with COVID? And do you think that there's been some kind of unexpected benefits or things that have that have blossomed out of this that you didn't expect going in? One thousand percent. You know, I'll, I'll speak to the pivots first. We didn't know what to do when the pandemic hit, right? Like, like our strongest verticals were networking events and travel lounges. All right, we secured a partnership with Delta in February and and planned to announce it in May down at South by Southwest, right? Which is like the perfect you know setup for us. And so um, we took a pause first before we started to pivot, just to kind of like 
get an understanding of what the world was about to look like. Because there was so much information that was coming out back back then in, in March. It was like almost overwhelming to the point that it's like you couldn't and you shouldn't make a decision just yet. You know what I mean? Like like right. so we just had to watch and listen for a little bit. And then once we started to realize that all right, this thing isn't going away anytime soon. Right. Like like this is gonna be here for for a while, which it didn't take us long to figure that out. The next thing that we started to do was say, how can we provide value for people virtually with allowing them to continue to communicate? So we started doing these these form threads for people to be able to have conversations. And then slowly but surely around summer of last year, we started to realize that small businesses were trying to remain open, but uh, clean and safety was a big thing. And so we started listing the clean and safety precautions of in-person spaces for people, even if they weren't going there for networking, even if they right. were just going there, you know, quickly in and out, check out the clean and safety precautions of these businesses prior to, to arrival. So, so that was very helpful for us. And then as we continue to emerge more, you know, start to fast forward into now a little bit, the gates are about to open back up and people are going back outside. But, you know, s- slowly but surely, right? People, more and more people are getting vaccinated and things of that nature. But we're still going to be in this, this space of hybrid, of in-person and virtual as a world for the next 18 to 24 months. Yeah. And so what Plain Sight has decided to do is be the best platform for allowing you to make connections wherever you go, whether that's in-person or remote, right? Yeah. And so it's made us a very well-rounded platform because if I'm just at home, I can get daily leads on the type of people that I should be connecting with, exactly, right? Yeah. But if I want to go out to a co-working space because I'm comfortable, I can see the co-working spaces in my area and I can check in at those spaces and you know make connections with other people that's there or in the area. So we, we've had to think a ton about this, man. And what has allowed us to have any type of success, if I'm honest, is talking to the the operators, the other operators in the space, meaning people who actually operate co-working spaces, people actually running networking events, trying to figure out what are they thinking, what do they need, and tailor fitting the product around that. And then, of course, talking to individuals who are still desiring to grow their network, but not quite comfortable with leaving home and and trying to do that stuff in person. We're talking with all of these people all of the time and just trying to build a product for them. Right. Uh, and, and here's Plain Sight that sits right right there in the middle of all of this potential connectivity. Yeah, well, when I was reading about the site, like it, it really fills that gap where networking events were so big. Like I feel mm-hmm. like in the beginning of 2020 and end of, I mean, really all, all before the pandemic, it was like constant networking events and going to you know conferences and conventions and like meeting people. And it seems like, Right now, like the only way you're going to meet new people is through an app like Plain Sight. It's going right. to be through, you know, like Facebook communities like we've got for for the show. It's going to be yep. in that virtual world. Slight and that, groups and all of that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it, you've got to find a myriad of different ways to try to like meet like-minded people for you to be able to still, we got to still do business. Like we have yeah. to still grow our business. We can't just like not. Uh, and we need personal networks to do that. And, and right. so, yeah, you're right. Right. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Well, I want to I want to take the conversation in the direction of networking as if we haven't been in that path already. But before we do that, I do want to talk about one element of the app that I thought was really neat, which is the fact that it doesn't show anybody's pictures, it doesn't show their names, so it gets rid of all of the bias, you know, that you can have. And and this has been a big it's something I never had to think about, but as I started, you know, hearing stories of people who were not getting job interviews because their names sounded a certain way or because, you know, or because of race or because of their, you know, potential religion or things like that. One of the, was that something that when you created the app, was it something that was there from the very beginning was like, I want this kind of anonymous, like people are judged purely by their, by their qualifications, or was that something that developed kind of during the process? 1000% upfront, you know, and I think that's what makes our team very unique is that the CEO is a black man. The COO is a white woman. Uh, Mm. The CPO, uh, our chief product officer, is an Asian woman. Our developer is a a white man. The person that runs our books and finances is a black woman. And so, like, (laughs) one of my friends says, you guys look like the United Nations or something (laughs) right right in this business. Uh, But uh, that, that has been intentional. I have experienced countless times throughout my life, whether it's indirectly because I'm working in workforce development and trying to help people get jobs, like knowing that employers rip up resumes, depending upon yeah. what the name looks like. And myself being a bald head, black man with tattoos and a beard, like and all of this other type of stuff. And I don't look like the uh, the everyday like techpreneur. Uh, so like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like having to com- combat a lot of those things. And then also doing a lot of market research before we put this out. When we had the anonymity there, we did it for a number of reasons. One, yes, to combat bias. Two, safety, right? You're, you're checking mm-hmm. into public places and things of that nature. So reveal as much as, or as little as you want because we want everybody to, to stay safe and be comfortable. And one of the pieces of feedback that we got early on was, was people saying stuff like, I love the anonymity. I know that uh, networking is important, but I, I like the fact that it's opt-in and you, everybody can like just do it on their own terms. And I don't, I don't have to like 
I can put myself out there, but I can put myself out there too much if I don't want to. And so that was that was like feedback that we were starting to get to know that we're heading in the right direction anyway. And so that's always been been at, at the forefront. And to be clear, we're not trying to hide anyone. You can put your Instagram, your LinkedIn, your Twitter, your website. You can bet all of those things into your profile. Uh, but we just don't want that to be the first thing that you make a decision on uh, before you decide to connect with someone or not. Uh, is their name or what they look like? Awesome. Yeah, I, I wanted to bring that up because I think it is such a really like to me that was such a really cool feature and concept. And you know, like I said, it's not something that I ever had to worry about. Like I'm a white guy with a comb over, like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just never came to my mind. And I remember I I was working at, I was working a job several years ago now. And one of my coworkers was, was worried about going to interviews because of her name. And she was like, you know, I don't want people to just throw me out because of this or, or, you know, just make these snap judgments that for whatever reason people choose to make. Yeah. And, and they uh, do. So I, it's, I, I wish yeah. we were making these things up, but like, like the the data is there that like yeah. these, these are re- these are real things. People right. are are literally not being competitive for opportunities that could that that could better their livelihoods because mm-hmm. of their look like the like their look and their name. Like yeah. that is that like this is a real thing, which is crazy uh, in twenty twenty one that we're still yeah. having that issue. Still having that. Still having that issue. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, somebody's got to do something about it. A, a collective of people need need to do, uh, you know, think things about that because imagine how the world would look if that wasn't the case. Oh right? yeah. Imagine who would be in the driver's seat, who would be, you know, all the beautiful things that that would have been created if everybody had a, a equal playing field shot and no one was uh, deprived of an opportunity because of their name or what they look like. Like right. they just imagine. Absolutely. Well, I, I do want to, I know we've talked a lot about networking. You've developed a networking app, but I want to kind of really just pivot us intentionally in that direction. And one question we ask every guest that comes on the show is, do you think who you know or what you know is more important and why? I think it's who you know, because I think what you know is based on who you know, right? The 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 every every person that we meet touches and changes us in one way or, or another. And the people that we've come across in our lives are the ones that are actually teaching us the things that, that we know. And, and you cannot know something but meet the right person that can give you some game, even if you didn't learn it in school or whatever the case right. may be. And it, it it changes everything for you. You can go build a, a million dollar business off of some game that someone gives you. And so I, I think it's who you know for sure. Yeah, sometimes the biggest lessons come outside of a school context. I mean, if I'm speaking myself, I didn't even go to college. So everything that I've done in my life and business has been someone teaching me, you know, someone someone mentoring. Who's had maybe the biggest impact? Like when you look at your career, when you're like, I'm looking at my life from childhood to now and yeah. where I'm at, you've had some success here with with the app, with with other businesses you've ran. Can you point back to a single relationship or maybe a, a mentor or someone that that helped make that possible or helped turn you into that person? Yeah, that uh, easy. A guy named Josh McManus. Um, met Josh down in, in Chattanooga. Josh lived in Detroit before I did. He is someone that has built business around building community and providing access. And he 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 did that well in Chattanooga. He did that well in Detroit. I, I'll never forget. I just like randomly sent him a Facebook message before he and I were cool, and I I just told him like I wanna I wanna be like you one day, hmm. and uh, he gave me some really good game then, and he recruited me to Detroit to work with him. He taught me a lot whenever whenever showed me a lot of ropes whenever I moved to Detroit. 
he's a reason why I think about things in a different way a, a, a little bit. I think a lot of those things were already there, but he really kind of leaned in and exposed those things for me a lot. And, and so, yeah, I, I would say Josh McMahon is with, with, without a shadow of a doubt is probably the, the person who I've met and come across in my life that has uh, created and exposed me to, to different things uh, and allowed me to see different opportunities and, and gave me a different perspective on, on, on how I go about looking at, at, at business and et cetera. Yeah. When you look at a relationship like that, that obviously has had a massive impact on you. Yeah. And then you look back at kind of the traditional education path, the, the path that you took initially doing the, doing the college experience. If you could go back and do things again, would you have gone back through college or would you have found one of those people earlier and just gone that route of just studying under someone or, or looking to someone for advice and kind of hands-on yeah. training? Yeah, I think I would have still went to college specifically because I played basketball. And basketball in college just taught me so many things that I, I still apply to life. I did this TEDx talk on on, um, on my basketball team, and it's called Create a Culture of Selflessness uh, because my college coach kind of created a culture of selflessness within our our team. And so you can't replace that. And I've st- I've been fortunate enough to meet people like Josh outside of college and, and, and some others and things of that nature. But there's just some real life experiences that I just picked up on when I was in college and I just grew up and became a man in, in a number of different ways on, on that college campus. Uh, had to become very independent on that college campus. You know, you can't can't really replace those experiences from my perspective. Now, college isn't for everybody. I don't encourage everybody to go to college. But but there are some experiences that I had in particular because I played basketball uh, and I had a family of brothers um, that that I, lifelong brothers that I still have uh, because I was on that team. Can't duplicate that. So for me, I would still win. Right, that's awesome. When it when it comes to building those relationships that can change everything, whether it's through advice, whether it's a partnership in a company, whether it's a, a hire, what's what's one networking tip you would give our audience? Like if you had to say this is the the number one networking tip I would give you, aside from downloading the plain side app, the number one networking tip that you would give someone who is looking to expand and start meeting some of these people? You know, I would say, first off, be very honest with yourself around like what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. Mm. A lot of times we have this naivete about what we actually can bring to the table. And the thing about networking is networking is really relationship building. Networking isn't like I have a product and I'm looking for people to sell it to. And so put me in a room with people who could sell, who could buy my product, right? That's not networking. You can do that on any platform. Networking is more relationship building and trying to get to know people um, that's gonna, that can help me achieve my long-term goals. Maybe some short-term, some, but, but for sure some long-term as well. And so when it comes to that, you have to really be honest about who you are, what you need, and what you can do. Because you can meet some people and think that you're ready for an opportunity uh, and not be. And then you mm-hmm. blow it. And now now that relationship is a little rocky. And then so like, what do we do here? And so the, the, the honest that you can possibly be with yourself about, what do I bring to the table? And what do I really, really need right now? Not money. Everybody needs money. Everybody needs business development. Everybody needs, you know, whatever the case may be. What are the barriers that I have that's stopping me from getting to some of these other things that I really, really desire and need to have? And be completely honest about that. 
Mm-hmm. Because when you are, people will pour into you. They'll, they'll pour into yeah. your weaknesses and try to build those up into stress for you so that you can go off and, and do things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you need money, chap. A lot of people call me chap. Yeah, you need money, chap. But like, what you really need to learn to do is be a better fundraiser, right? And, and in order to be a better fundraiser, you got to make sure you add this to your pitch and this to your pitch. And, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't, you know, don't downplay this and that. Like those are some of the things. And so like we think that we just need to talk to investors and investor needs to see our our pitch deck and then the investor will give her, give us money. Like that's not what you need. Right. Like you have to be very, very honest and, and, be, and be willing to be humble about where you are in your development. And so that when you meet those people, you can cherish those relationships and you can be groomed by those, those relationships for, for, for the purpose of networking. So, so that's what I would say. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you said that. And, and it is like, number one, the big takeaway, I think everyone needs to know, and, and this is something that changed me a lot, was the concept of not making it just the money thing. And that's hard when you're coming, like, again, my thing going growing up was like, I just don't want to end up where like I'm struggling, you know, like I saw my family struggling and it was like decisions I made early on in business were I need to take care of this problem of money. Like I need to, I need to, I had this desperation, you know, and it, it, people always, if you take any sales course, they'll say never sell out of desperation, but like it, it was always this, you know, I need to solve this emergency, this emergency but I never fixed the thing that was causing these emergencies. Like I never went back two layers back and say like, like you said, I need to be a better fundraiser. I need to be better at pitching myself. I need to be better at building yeah. relationships. It was just about solving the immediate kind of issue as opposed to looking deep down and be like, how can I be a better person? Yeah. And that's yeah. the other big takeaway I hope people just got is like, I forget who it was. I was listening to some, some director because uh, I, I listened to a lot of interviews with film directors and he was talking about the fact that, you know, he's had talented people he's worked with, he's never worked with again, but he's had people that, you know, aren't professionals. They've worked on one or two shoots, but they're the nicest people. And he, he takes them to every single shoot. Like he keeps them on his rotation all the time. And, you know, hearing stuff like that, like if you're a good person, you're going to get a lot of opportunities as opposed to being the smartest person in the room and a total, total jerk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People think you being likable means that you're a kiss ass. And, right, and, right. And, and there's there's nothing further from the truth, right? Like, like I was raised in the South by a black woman. And so I was taught manners like heavily. And I was taught that there's a, a, a way that you talk to people and that you don't talk to people and things of that nature. And and specifically my mom, who was a nurse, like she just always tried to make sure that I handle people with with care. Like that was a that was a big hmm. thing for her. And so, you know, I, I had that as a competitive advantage. Uh, but I'll but I'll say that like just because you're nice to people doesn't make you a kiss ass, right? <laughs> like like you can still be nice and be likable, and people will want to work with you, right? Like it doesn't matter if you aren't there yet. Like everybody's not there yet, and and yeah. people nine times out of ten remember their journey and their path in, in, into getting mm-hmm. to somewhere, right? And so like if you can just not be a jerk. Right. Then then people will kind of meet you where you are, you know, yeah. if they like you and they can see like your potential, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, but if if you're not likable, you're going to make it harder on yourself. I'm not going to say it's impossible because, it, you know, it, it, everything's possible. You can make it, but it's going to be so much easier if you're likable. Right. Right. Yeah. Everybody's on that journey. Everybody has something they don't know. And that that was a big thing that shocked me when Travis jumped in the in the hundred thousand dollar or the hundred million mastermind 
and some of the people he would say are in this mastermind. And I was like, why are they in a mastermind? They've made it, you know, like they're like the celebrities or they're the, they're like the huge CEOs. I'm like, why are they in this group? But you realize like everybody's just trying to get to the next level. And so you have to find people that are going to be able to get you there. And you got to turn around and help people get up to where you were. It's got to be this constant, constant flow and process. Yep. But um, part of it. Like I, I could talk through all this all day, um, but I want to move us into our last segment, which is our random round. And uh, it's just some quick questions with some quick answers. Cool. And uh, we'll try to move through these. What profession other than your own do you think would be fun to attempt? Being a firefighter. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I think that would be cool. Man. Putting on all the gear, <laughs> uh, getting to you know, slide down the, the pole to ride in the, the truck and, and the ladder and you know, put out the fires. I mean, it's dangerous work, but, but I, I think being a firefighter would be cool. And then like, I'd probably be in much better shape. So yeah, yeah. I, I would say be, being a firefighter. I think my wife would be happy if I was a firefighter. I think coming <laughs> home, you know, it's <laughs> got some, perks, you know what I'm saying? Like, but, yeah, uh, <laughs> you're basically working out all, all day, like getting prepared for, for stuff that, that may happen. And, and when it goes down, you're like the, the hero, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I, I'd, be, awesome. I, I'd be a firefighter. Uh, if you could sit on a park bench with anybody, past or present, living or dead, and talk to them for an hour, who would that be and why? Jay-Z it was the first person that came to mind, but I was trying to think of someone better, but I'm just going to say Jay-Z. I'm not hmm. going to do this right. And, and just because he's so influential, man. Yeah. From uh, music, I, I grew up on his music. I grew up on his culture. Still look up to his, his business acumen and the moves that he, that he continues to make. Uh, he's such a presence. If you got a chance to sit down with Ho for an hour and just like talk shop, you got to kind of think that, right? Um, like he's married to Beyonce. He's got this beautiful family. Like, like what hasn't he done? You know, and he's black from the projects like myself. So like, yeah, I try to think of somebody that wasn't as cliche, but like, if I'm honest, it's, it's Jay-Z. No, that's a, that's an awesome answer. And I don't think we've gotten the answer on the show, but that's a, that's a really cool answer. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Yeah, meditation. Meditation. See, I actually have this on, on my phone, so this is the easy one. Uh, like I put my morning routine on, on my calendar. So it's 10 minutes of meditation, stretching. I uh, drink my tea, uh, go groom, shave my head, line beard, beard up, all that kind of stuff, make sure like I, I feel good about how I look. And then uh, from there, I start looking at my to-do list uh, for, for the day and like seeing if I need to rearrange stuff, whatever. And I just get right to it. What's your go-to pump-up song? And if it's not by Jay-Z, I'm going to be a little confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're going to be confused there because my Jay-Z, my, my, Jay-Z is not my, pump, my go-to pump-up song. I would say my go-to pump-up song right now is anything by Pooh uh, mm. Pooh Shice is this new, new kid, man, out of, out of Memphis, where, where I'm from. And he's just got such an energy about himself. Like his, his music really good. You can just sense the hunger and, and all of all of his music, man. And so I, I would say I'm listening to Pooh Shiesty right now to get hyped. That, that, that's probably my go-to. He's got a lot of hits. That's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, one more question for you is, uh, what is something that you're not very good at? Oh, cooking. <laughs> Ter- terrible at, at, at cooking. I don't even try, man. I'm so bad. Um, so like I, I would say cooking. As soon as I hop off with you, I'm gonna order something on Uber Eats for for a late lunch. <laughs> uh, yeah, gotcha. yeah. Cook- cooking is the is the thing that I am I am god awful at. Gotcha, gotcha. What's one place online where people can find you the most? Like my my like my own like my social networks or yeah. whatever. Oh, I w- I would say um, I spend a lot of time on Twitter. 
I like Twitter. I put out a book of tweets before. So like I, I pulled this archive of, of like my tweets and, and best, most inspirational tweets from over a year mm-hmm. uh, and, and put it into a book and published it. So I would say people probably find me the most at, most active on Twitter. I scroll a lot on Instagram and stuff, but yeah. And what's the, what's the handle for people listening? Oh yeah, I wrote the hustle. Awesome. Yep. Yep, well, and it's because that book of tweets is is called hashtag the hustle. So, um, I I wrote the hustle on, on Twitter and, and all the other platforms too. Awesome. Well, definitely everybody listening, go ahead over and connect with James over on Twitter. Definitely check out the Plain Sight app. It's really cool what they're doing over there. You guys are just killing it uh, with you. that right now. So, oh, thank you. Follow so much. me on Plain Sight. I, I have to say yeah. that you can. Yep, yep. <laughs> definitely follow me on Plain Sight. Just search Plain Sight CEO, and you'll 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 see me come up. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for joining me on the podcast. Really appreciate the chance to talk to you. And uh, I think there's a lot of value for our listeners. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, man. Great, great conversation. And uh, invite me back anytime. I'd love to be here. Absolutely. Will do. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapelcom slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.